Yeah. So boundary setting and saying no, it's so hard to let people down or what you think lets them down. Sometimes it's surprising when you set a boundary, they're not actually as let down as you expect them to be. Um, but for me, a lot of it was, I was willing to show at any time. Like I was on my phone often until, I don't know, like 1130 at night answering questions that like people saying, oh, wait, is the refrigerator included? You know, things that could wait over email or I kind of just answered in the morning, but I felt so compelled to not set boundaries. Welcome to the Wayward Lasses All the Things podcast. Real content. Encouraging. For real women. Affirming. Every age and stage of life. Are you ready to get real with the Wayward Lasses? You've come to the right place. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Wayward Lasses All the Things podcast. I'm your host today, Brittany, joined by our mother, Amy. Oh, you did it again. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> our, my sister, Courtney. Hello, sister. Hello, sister. And our very special guest for this evening, Jessica Franco. Hi, y'all. Hello. We're Wait, so excited. Before you continue, Mom, I have to say, I think yes. you're wrong, by the way. I think that if you go back and listen, she always introduces me first. I'm just saying. I, I always introduce Courtney first for some reason. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So that whole yeah, thing, Jessica, is I, I felt like we were doing one of our recordings and I said, you always introduce her first. Oh, I thought and, you were uh, saying I went, I did it wrong. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, I think she just, you always introduce Courtney first. And I'm like, why am yeah. I always second? <laughs> first. So that's why. That's that whole thing. All right, mother. I apologize. Well, I, I did you first today. So before we hop into Jessica's story and her business and all the things about Jessica, uh, we've got some trivia today. And she requested Disney trivia, which we're all huge fans of. So, uh, mother, you may take it away with the trivia. All right, ladies, so how this goes is I'm going to be using my phone, so hopefully the, the sound will come across clearly. I'll play you a snippet, and then it's going to do like a countdown, you know, t -t 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 where you have an opportunity to name the movie, okay. all right? All right, so here we go. I think I queued this one up. I've got all the, the seconds notated here. All right, here we go. Tell me if you hear it. Oh, yeah. Go for it, Jessica. You got it. Um, Encanto. Yes, Encanto Yay. it is. That's our new favorite one. Yeah, <laughs> us too. What a great movie. It's fantastic. I wouldn't have gotten that. All right. Ready. Here comes the next one. And... Yes. Go, sister. Uh, that's definitely Mulan. It is Mulan. Tis. Tis. Very good. I thought these were pretty easy because I got them. Here's the next one. Well, these are easy. The Lion King. Yes. <laughs> these are easy. Oh, sorry. Okay. Maybe the next one won't be so easy. Still All fun. Right. Here we go. Yes, Beauty and the Beast. Be our guest. All right, sorry, ladies. Let's see, this one might be harder. 
No. I don't think so. No. Hey, girls. <laughs> Little Mermaid. Yeah. Under the sea. Darn Sebastian. Okay. Sebastian. <laughs> okay. It's a jungle book. Right? King Louis. Yeah. I had no idea what that one was. Really? Wow. Yeah. You're talking to some Disney fans here, Ma. Sorry. Yeah. Here we go. I'll do two more. Yes, oh. oh, it's Aladdin. That's the genie. Good old Robin Wow, you guys are awesome. This wasn't a challenge. All right, last one, ladies. Yes. Toy Story, all of them. All of the Toy Stories. <laughs> all, <Yeah>. of them. <laughs> all of the Toy Stories. My son makes me sing this to him every night. I feel like that was a challenge Sorry. That's okay. It was so fun. It was fun. All right. I liked it. All right. And the sound successful. came through okay? Huh? Great. Was good. Countdown, nice. tick, tick, and all. All right. <laughs> Good trivia, Mom. All right, so let's go ahead and hop into our our podcast for today. Before we kind of get into all the things, Jessica, um, could you uh, kind of introduce yourself to our audience real quick? Sure. So my name is Jessica Franco. Um, I am a realtor in the upstate of Greenville, South Carolina, and I have the privilege of being a mom and a wife. I have two kiddos. They're 11 and 13, girl first, then boy. Um, so we're starting to navigate through the teenage years. Um, and I've been married to my husband for 15 years. We were college sweethearts, met when we were 18. And actually today is the anniversary of our very first date. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. I got all sappy about it, but he was, you know, he played along. Um, <laughs> and then we have, we do have a dog. Her name is Letta and she's a rescue and we got her a about a year and a half ago, um, and she's in her crate, so hopefully she won't bark. <laughs> You're barking. That's her. Her name's Letta. She's great. Oh, I have a dog too, and I was telling them uh, yesterday she spent about ten minutes barking at a plastic bag in our front yard. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, I does not bark. Yep, I get it. <laughs> and then I have a cat. Um, they're all out, out, you know, not in this room, but eventually you might hear some like pitter pattering. She's trying to um, get inside the cat. She's sticking her paws under the door, trying right. to open it. Gotta be near mama. Yeah, she's gotta be next to me. She's gotta be next to me. Okay, so uh, here's my first question. You used yeah. to be a teacher, right? I did. So um, I have an education degree and I taught fifth grade for two years um, and then decided to have babies. Um, and it was kind of always our plan that I would try to be a stay-at-home mom. It was possible. And so privileged to have that opportunity to stay home. Um, and I stayed home for six years before I started my, my second career. Okay. I was going to say, how did you transition, I guess, from, you know, being a teacher and having a degree in that to going to real estate? That's a great, great question. Um, part of it, I don't, I can't really tell you. I think the, the trajectory for me was, always loving design, always loving homes. And that's what every realtor says, right? Oh, I get to look through beautiful houses. I love it. Um, for me, we were purchasing our second home because our first home was a little two bedroom, one bath, and we didn't intend to have two babies in it. And we did. And so we had zero space. 
Um, so it was time for us to buy a house and it was about a year long process for us. We started off kind of wanting uh, already ready to go homes. Um, it was kind of after the crash of the 2008, 2009 crash. And so homes were kind of starting to come back on the market and it was an opportunity for us to purchase and we couldn't find something. We were getting outbid, um, foreclosures, the banks were refusing to go lower. Um, and so nothing fit our budget. We finally pivoted um, and found a house that was a foreclosure and in really, really bad shape, um, but it's something we can afford. And we had the privilege of my father-in-law being a contractor. So we kind of stepped into a rehab, remodel, second home. Um, and the realtor that we used at the time, after the deal was done, he came to me and said, I think you're better at this than I am. Like, have you ever considered being a realtor? I'm like, I mean, I, I love all of that stuff, but no, I just, I mean, not really. And then my husband, he's my champion. He was like, I think that you'd be great at this too. And I was getting to the point, the kids were starting like pre-K, kindergarten timeframe. And I was getting ready to kind of have more time to myself and uh -huh. decided, I think I could do this. And, you know, you go through all the self-doubt and, you know, it takes 60 hours of an initial class and some financial investment. And, you know, we were living on one salary for years that it was one of those things that was hard for me to kind of jump into and, and commit. Mm -hmm. And my husband finally said, I will invest in your business is the way he put oh. it. He said, go ahead, sign up for the class and take it. If you hate it. We've lo you've lost 60 hours and a couple hundred bucks. And if you love it, wonderful. Like, let's pursue that. Uh -huh. And so I just took a leap of faith and decided, you know what? He's right. I can invest 60 hours and I think it was 550 bucks at the time to start real estate. And I'm so, so glad I did. <laughs> hey, very nice. Very nice. And I love that transition. The guy that it, that my realtor he's no longer in real estate. Oh, like wow. he, was, he transitioned out of it. Like he knew himself um, well enough to know that that was not his life's career, um, but it is mine. So I'm thankful for him and his wisdom and pointing that out to me and thankful for my husband who championed me. So awesome. how did you get started then? Okay. So you've, you've taken the classes mm -hmm. and um, you found that you really like this. What was the next step then for you? So the next step was actually you have to hang your license with a broker. Okay. And there are so many to choose from. A lot of big names that ever, if I said them, everyone would re recognize nationwide, worldwide. Um, and then there's obviously small little brokerages that are more family-run local organizations. So I started off um, kind of deciding what I wanted. I am not particularly good at drinking the Kool-Aid, so I knew that probably a big brokerage to start off was not where I wanted to be. Um, I still needed the flexibility of being able to be mom. Um, I didn't want a brokerage that was going to have to have me step in the door at eight or nine in the morning. You can't leave until five unless you're out showing a property. That just wouldn't work with the lifestyle that I had at the moment. Um, so I needed some that, something that was probably going to be smaller mm -hmm. and going to be flexible with my kind of transitioning into it. And when I was licensed, I got licensed in May and then school was done. So I kind of started off with my kids full time again. So I needed somebody that was going to be um, 
kind enough to understand that motherhood was my first calling uh-huh. and that real estate was my second. Um, and I found a brokerage that was willing to work with me on that. And I kind of interviewed them and they kind of interviewed me because as a realtor, you are self-employed. Uh-huh. So I'm 1099 but I have to hang my license at a brokerage. So it is a symbiotic relationship there. Um, and so that was kind of the first step is finding out who I wanted to be with. It was easy to whittle out some people immediately. And then it just, for me, it fell, my husband met somebody who owned a brokerage um, and they got talking and it was right around the same time that I had committed to the classes. And he kind of gave his number to my husband and said, have her reach out when she's ready. And I did. And he was a little shocked that I did because as realtors, we give our number out a lot. It was very rare for people to contact us back. So he was kind of surprised that I I reached out and it was a good fit for me in the moment. Um, And I'm grateful for that decision, but that's kind of the pathway for me. Is that who you're still with now, the Parker Group? So no, nope. I have actually been, um, I've been in real estate since 2015 and this is technically my fourth brokerage. Um, the first two kind of were one and the same. We started off as a certain brokerage. My team kind of split and started their own. So I followed my team. So that felt very similar. Um, and then I went to a larger firm and tried that out. Um, and it was great. I can have, have nothing negative to say about it. But I've stepped back into kind of more of a family feel. Um, and a lot of that for me is because I have a teaching background and the heart to kind of teach, um, this new brokerage is giving me the opportunity to teach and mentor and kind of scratch that itch that I hadn't had for, you know, six, seven years now. I love that. It's a perfect fit for you. It is. I'm so <laughs> I did want to hit on this. You had mentioned this, that you kind of interviewed, you know, the, the, the job that you were going in for, the yeah. people, that you, the company. I love that you mentioned that because I feel like um, nowadays when people are going in for interviews, they kind of focus on the questions that they're going to be asked but I think it's very important, especially for a woman going into a job where there's a lot of, you know, male domination that you also interview back to ask the questions if they're going to be a good fit for you. Yeah. Right. And for me, a lot of it was I needed I needed the space to be mom. So some oh, of my yeah. questions at that moment really centered around what is what are your expectations of me? Um, what happens if I have to miss a meeting? Um, and making it clear, like, I'm going to be the mom that that goes on the field trip. And so right. I need to know that this is going to be a team that can kind of pick up some slack if I can't step in and I'm willing to do it when I can step in for someone else. Um, and then some of it is just kind of the nitty gritty of real estate, you know, finding out what is your commission split? Um, what processes do you have and procedures do you have? And do they mesh with who I am and how I want to like self brand? Um, Yeah. So there's lots of different questions and we can go into those if you want to, but those are kind of the things that I had to figure out for myself. And they're different from every single person based on your own needs and where you are in your life. And my needs have changed now. Right. Having consider 11, 13, I don't have to step into a brokerage nearly as much and say, Hey, you know, do I have space to be mom? Um, Because one, I've kind of carved my own boundaries and two, I've, I'm recognizing brokerages that automatically support that, um, sometimes based on their leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three, like my kids are at a different stage of life. Yeah. It's a lot easier to kind of get around and carpool and do all this stuff. Yeah, definitely. 
Go ahead, Ma. You look like you're going to say oh, something. I was just going to say, you mentioned 1099. <laughs> I know, we try not to step on each other. You mentioned 1099. So for our listeners, um, yeah. tell them what 1099 is. So that's when you're taxed as a self-employed individual. So versus like a corporate taxation. So I, I get taxed um, and I, I pay quarterly. And part of that is so that I don't run up a giant bill at the end of the year and then you're shocked when you owe tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's painful. Um, so it kind of helps me keep my finances in order, but I still have to pay taxes yeah. just like everybody else. Um, right. I just have to save for them. Yeah. Where everybody else gets them taken out of their paycheck. I have to wait and then I get my bill every quarter and what I owe the oh government. <laughs> yeah, so it's really quite painful. And it's 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 that hard part because you realize that it's painful this quarter, but that also means I made some decent money this quarter. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes yeah. hand in hand. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a nice thing. And I'll- getting a tax getting a tax guy, I will tell you, if you are in real estate or considering real estate, do not do your own taxes. Oh, there are advice. so many things. There are so and get a good one. There are so many things that you don't even realize you can write off outside of a tax professional. So spend the money. It can be painful if you're used to doing your own taxes like we were. It's 100% worth it, particularly if you're going to go do a joint income and you have someone working in corporate America and someone working you know, self-employed. Just, I promise you, get a good tax person. <laughs> you made the mistake. <laughs> That's good advice. I would definitely um, agree with that. Sorry, Court. Um, I just fine? wanted to jump in there and say I definitely agree for um, for our listeners. It does it's it's definitely um, something that you should not take for granted. It does get to be expensive, but if you find a really good accountant who knows you know your business, um, mm-hmm. especially real estate, right? So you don't just find any accountant out there, um, find somebody who knows like real estate law or is familiar with, you know, real estate because they'll be able to, uh, cause I, we have one as well. And, yeah. um, you know, it's funny because we have a business of our own as well. I have my real estate license. I don't actively use it. I use it for our real estate investment company. Yeah. Um, but at that time that I actually pursued that, I was actually laid off from my job. So I had a nice severance mm-hmm. package and I swore based on what I made, because I almost, I basically made what I made in a year. I, I doubled my salary, right? Right. So I thought I was going to be owing. And I was so surprised that we got back like $10,000. I'm like, oh my God, how did that happen? <laughs> so yes, go find yourself little little tip that uh, Jessica and I are giving you guys out there. Go find a good accountant. Yes, they may cost five $800, but it's better than owing $10,000. Absolutely. And we had a bad one at one point and we paid, I don't know how much, I think we paid like $32,000 that year. It was ridiculous. And we found out about eight, like, I don't know, 18,000 of it. He did wrongly. And so we went to our new guy and he was able to get 8,000 of it back before it got flagged because we don't want to get to an audit, right? right? But he was able to justify with the IRS that the guy had done eight grand of it wrong. So thankfully we got it back, but that's, that's how big of a change wow. having a, a bad tax professional professional. I use that very, very loosely and then <laughs> an actual good accountant. So invest promise you will not regret it. Wow. 
That is uh, something I never would have even thought of. But again, I don't have my real estate license. So <laughs> fabulous <laughs> advice. <laughs> um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit yeah. because um, I know that you mentioned that you also help your husband flip houses. So could you talk to us about that? I know we've all probably sure. seen like property brothers, but is it like, <laughs> is it like it's that? Like, who is it? Nearly that <laughs> no, no, it's a lot of work. So my husband and my brother-in-law, his oldest brother and his father decided to kind of start this flipping business, partly because I have a real estate license. So I have access to a lot of, you know, the MLS and a lot of things off market. Um, and then my father-in-law is a general contractor. So he has that skill. My husband and my brother-in-law are, my brother-in-law is a numbers guy. So he likes to tinker with all the spreadsheets and the ROIs and return on investments. Sorry, guys. Um, shouldn't speak the lingo. Um, and he likes to kind of work through the numbers and say, if we buy it for this much and sell it for this much and put this much into it, what is our return? And is it worth it? That's kind of his forte. And then my husband is the one that gets stuff done. He keeps people on track. He is the one, um, he signs all of our documents. He makes sure that the tax accountant gets everything that he needs so he kind of wraps everything up. Um, we started it because my father-in-law, um, he was a pastor for 23 years and didn't really have much of a retirement as pastors typically don't um, since it's more ministry-based. And the boys were looking at a way that they could potentially earn some residual income, but also help their dad both by giving him work now to finish the homes and then have a nest egg that he could potentially have for retirement. So they all went in three-way um, to invest, and then I have the privilege of doing all the design work. So I <laughs> get to pick everything out, which is so fun, and I love, love, love working on a budget. I love finding all the deals and um, wheeling and dealing and doing all the things, keeping up with the current trends. So places like watching HGTV, watching Property Brothers, <laughs> like that helps you keep up with the trends, which is fun. Um, and the colors, you know, the colors of the year and all the different things like that. Um, that gives me, lets me scratch an itch mm -hmm. that I like to do. Um, partly on somebody else's dime, which is super fun. <laughs> um, it, it impacts me since I'm, you know, my husband's an investor, but, um, and I don't tend to get decision fatigue. So I think that's where a lot of people, if you want to get in the flipping industry, if you get decision fatigue, you need to hire somebody else to do all the design work for you. Mm -hmm. You need to, you either have to be able to make quick decisions to buy the thing when it's on sale or to be able to look around and then you can't get bogged down by every light fixture, every cabinet pull, every countertop, every type of flooring, um, you know, every piece of time. I mean, it's a lot of decisions. So you have to be okay with all of that. Just don't ask me ever, ever, ever to pick out stain. I cannot pick out stain. I will always pick the worst color ever. I can pick out paint all day long. I do not have to even like see it on the wall, but I cannot pick out stain. Can't do it. I would be terrible at that. We've been living in my house almost a year and I still haven't painted half the house because I can't decide. Yeah, so paint, paint I can help you with. Courtney, I'll help you with that. Okay, cool. <laughs> worst wash, but I cannot do stain. Okay. <laughs> so so know, your, know your limits. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, but you said too, that you guys got, um, bought a bungalow. 
So we bought one. Yeah, we just actually sold that one. Okay. Oh, wait, are you talking about my current home? Yeah, the yeah. Well, you you had the mentioned two forty five below. Oh yes, that's where I'm at right now. Oh, that's okay. so we um don't intend to flip this one. We did flip it in that it has been majorly overhauled. Um, but it's it's my baby. I don't I don't know if I'll ever move from it. Um, <laughs> that's a super fun story. So. The house is 1945. We're the third owners since 45. Oh, wow. Um, the first guy was a, owned a concrete company. And so our house is cinder block. We have a humongous driveway, tons of concrete, um, retaining walls that are concrete. It's just a lot of concrete. Um, and then the second family owned it, I think, from 1974 to 2018 when they passed away. Okay. And then their granddaughter sold it to us. And we live right downtown Greenville. So we're right in our main hub. Um, and the, how it came about is really cool. So my husband and I, we were wanting to move again from our, the house that I mentioned that we got with the realtor that was the foreclosure. Mm-hmm. We were ready to, to step out of that. Um, and we were looking at a community that was brand new builds and kind of a traditional walkable community is what they're called. So everybody kind of lives on postage, postage sized lots. Mm. Happy day. Happy Monday. Um, but you have huge common spaces. Mm-hmm. And so we had been pre-approved, ready to buy, picked out the house. We're kind of like, do we do it? Do we not? I think we do it. And then COVID hit. And my husband said, let's put the brakes on it for a second. He said, I have a feeling either the houses are going to go down in price or they're going to come to us and start because they want us to buy they're going to come start offering us some concessions. Mm-hmm. So we waited. Um, and that's, so that was in March of 2020. In May 5th on Cinco de Mayo, we were driving to our downtown to pick up tacos from our friend who was doing a pop-up shop because all the caterers lost their business too. So he had to find some way to make money during COVID. Wow. So we were going to go support him. And we drove by this itty bitty little for sale by owner sign that I had never seen. I'm in real estate. I notice when houses are for sale. <laughs> I had never seen this sign. And we looked at this house and it looked so little from the road. So in our heads, we're thinking, okay, this might be cool for the flipping business. It's maybe a three bedroom, one bath, you know, not big enough for our family to live in, but great location, obviously needs work. So we kind of did a U-turn. I took the number down and I called the lady and she started telling us about this property. And I'm like, wait a second, this sounds, this sounds like this could be our house. So that was on a Tuesday. On a Thursday, we, we went to see it, and it was in bad shape. I mean, plaster falling down. It looked almost as it, if it had been in a fire, and it was just because at one point there was an old oil furnace, and all the walls were just sooty. But if you touched it, it was so old that yeah. nothing, no soot came off on your hands. Wow. Um, the, the floors were so filthy. I come to find out, she said her grandparents were hoarders. So you could see where every couch was, where they walked for the so years that they owned it. Um, there was water in the basement. Um, it had all the original windows, these steel plated windows. Um, it had this little teeny minuscule kitchen. I mean, it was a bad shape and I absolutely adored it. 
<laughs> you saw it. I walked through it. I had a vision. I walked through it one time, and I just said to my husband, "I'm like." I looked at him, and he's like, "This is it, isn't it?" I'm like, "This is home," and he, we both felt it instantly. Wow! Just we knew, and so we bought it in July. Closed July first. July second, the work started. We worked for twelve weeks and did the first floor so that we could live here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over the the summer afterwards, so summer of, that was, we moved in Halloween of 2020. 2021, we started to work on the stucco to not have a cinder block house, to actually have a stucco house. So we have a white and black little stucco house. Um, and then the, it kind of sat with muddy yard. We had so much bamboo. Oh, wow. all, it was all the acreage was bamboo. Ah. So we kind of tore all that down. We worked on building a deck. We built an outdoor fireplace. And then we got the yard sodded. And we are currently working on our basement. We're adding two bedrooms, two bathrooms, an office, an entertaining space, and a hidden wine cellar. So in my husband's office, we're going to have a bookcase that opens, and we'll have a wine cellar back there. Yeah, and then we're also working on, when we tore all the bamboo down, we found that there's a shed back there, an old potting shed, that is cinder block as well. So we are working on getting the roof redone and getting that to match the house. So it's been so fun and such an adventure, and my house is full of dust, and I love it. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you that you're enjoying it. I feel like a lot of people when they buy a fixer upper, it's kind of like a chore and it's a lot. But just just seeing the light in your face as you're talking about you know renovating this 1945 house, uh, I just love that for you. Thanks. Well, and it's been really important to us to keep the integrity of the house. Mm-hmm. So we put as much back into it as we could. So I kept the original cast iron sink. It has like oh, the nice. drain plates. Yeah. I kept that. We kept all the original doors. I spent 40 hours refinishing the two front doors um, back to their original condition. I We have all the crystal hardware that was original to the house. So all of that was taken off and the brass shined up and put back on. Um, we were able to keep all of the original flooring and resand that. So it's just the integrity of the house is still here. If you walk in it, it it feels like 1945 in the feel, but with all the modern amenities. Um, and we even brought a lot of the kind of traditional style of 1945 back in. Some of the hexagon shapes and the black and white and the penny tile, you know, things that were really traditional back then, but more in a modern way. That's so it's been fun. Cool. Yeah. I don't You're want to gonna have to show it. us pictures because yeah. it sounds really awesome. Envisioning yeah. it before and after. Did you oh, take before gosh. pictures? I did. Oh, good. It's, oh, you'll be able it's to absolutely show. shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really sweet. The lady whose um, grandparents lived here, she had her growing up years. So she comes, I have her come back about every three months and walk through the house. And oh, that's a really sweet. nice area to do. Their updates. And she sometimes brings people and they cry through every room of the house. I just, it's just lovely. We have such a wonderful relationship with her too. Oh my God. That's really sweet. She said, it's just lovely. It's just lovely. She's so sweet. If you knew her, it is lovely. Aww. That's really nice. Um, I've got a question for you, yeah. whether it is, you know, be, being a real estate um, agent or fl- flipping the houses or kind of all of that. You mentioned balancing work life. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are some challenges that you have faced along the way? 
kind of through all of this. No, saying no is really, really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, If anybody's listening and they are an Enneagram two, they know what I'm talking about and they can empathize. We have the tendency to be the helpers. And so it is really, really hard to set the boundaries. Um, So I think that, that transition um, probably for me happened, honestly, just a few years ago. I could never say no. If somebody wanted to show a house, I was like, whatever time they said, I was there willing to miss things, willing to give up stuff, willing to let my own self-care go, anything I needed to do to make sure the house got sold, make sure it got shown, make sure. And I think now I realized that I'm a human too. (laughs) And while they have needs and their needs might be to, to see the house quickly and I try to accommodate as best I can, there's also okay for sometimes just to say no. Um, or to say wait, or to propose a different time. So setting boundaries is hard. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I had something in my head and I just lost it. All right, guys. Sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties. You have to love technology these days. We're going to hop back into what uh, Jessica was talking about, about her challenges of say, learning to say no. So take it away. Yeah. So boundary setting and saying no. It's so hard to let people down. Or what you think lets them down. Sometimes it's surprising when you set a boundary, they're not actually as let down as you expect them to be. Um, but for me, a lot of it was I was willing to show at any time. Like I was on my phone often until, I don't know, like 1130 at night answering oh, wow. questions that like people saying, oh, wait, is the refrigerator included? You know, things that could wait over email or I could have just answered in the morning, but I felt so compelled to not set boundaries because of, you know, this is their, it's their future. I could be hurting them. What if they back out? What if they don't like me? What if they choose a different agent next time? All of those fears and insecurities often. Um, And I think that as I've grown, I've realized most people, when they're asking the questions at 1130, they're just scared Mm -hmm. and they're going to be okay. And you answering in the morning is going to be absolutely fine. And they're not going to hate you forever because they didn't know 12 hours earlier if the house had a refrigerator or not. Um, so that was big, that's a big part of it for me was just learning to say no. And I, I'll be honest with you, it probably took me, I mean, my husband probably tell you I've still not learned, but for me, I would say probably five or six years in the industry before I realized that I needed that for my own well being and like my mental health and the health of my family and my marriage, I needed to set those boundaries. Um, and I'm much happier. And I've realized that clients really still like me. <laughs> They're okay waiting to know if the house has a fridge. Um, and I think the second thing that's, well, the next set of things that are difficult, and I said this when I taught, it's parents, paperwork, and politics. And it's the same for me in real estate. Parents, paperwork, and politics are really challenging. You get a parent in you know, somebody goes to see a house, they love it. They're the ones making the financial decision. And then mom and dad come in and mom and dad find every fault they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Instead of just praising their kid for being wise and being in a financial state to afford their own home, mm-hmm. they nitpick and they discourage not every parent. I've had some work with some that have been amazing. But traditionally, if somebody says, hey, my mom and dad are going to come with me, it's real scary. 
<laughs> Usually I don't make those sales. Um, and then paperwork. There is so much paperwork in the real estate. I think everyone thinks, oh, she just gets to look at pretty houses all day. No, I get to sit behind a computer and do a lot of paperwork. And it has to be done correct or I'm getting sued. My brokerage is getting sued. And this is some of the biggest financial decisions I'm making with my buyers or my sellers. And if I make a mistake, it really could cost them. So I have to really be precise in my paperwork. And then politics. You know, the politics could be office politics. It could be actual, like, legitimate licensing politics, um, state politics, um, your your, uh, local realtors association politics, but having to kind of keep up with the changes and who to talk to and how to navigate things can also be a challenge. So saying no personally and then parents' paperwork and politics. That is definitely being a teacher right there. <laughs> Brittany can always sniff out the teachers. Is that you're saying? My alliteration? <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I like, we, we always talk about boundaries because we say, yeah. like, I often say boundaries aren't to keep people out. They're to hold me together. Right. right? So it's that's really great. Um, I mean, advice is to be able to set those boundaries, I think, in any part of your life. But, yeah. They're hard, difficult and to do. It's easier it said than done, I feel like. <laughs> right. It is oh, so much easier said yeah. than done. And it can change. And I think that's giving yourself space and grace yeah. to realize, like, I didn't have this boundary now, or I didn't have it then, but I have it now. Or I had a really staunch boundary, but life has changed and I can open up again here and kind of being able to ha- show yourself some grace for some flexibility too. Yeah. I think sometimes we enter into spaces and we feel like, we have to draw a hard and fast line and we can never budge right. in any yeah. direction. And I think that through my own personal growth, I'm realizing like, no, it's okay to be flexible. I have flexible boundaries. Right. So sometimes I do drop everything for the client or I do answer the 1130 text message. But then there's a lot of times it's like, I have been spent all day. I have nothing left to give them. They're going to wait in the morning and they'll be till the morning. They'll be okay. Right. Um, so having those more flexible boundaries. But yeah, so when you first it. realized about boundaries, did you, was there some type of tipping point? Was there a situation that happened that made you realize like, all right, I'm being a little bit ridiculous. I need to reassess and I need to see, yeah. evaluate how I'm approaching this or what happened to make you realize? So I think some of it was finally probably listening to my husband, you know, when I'm sitting there and he's like, are you not present? Because I'm on my phone. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm answering a question. He's like, do you know what time it is? Okay. <laughs> and just kind of taking the, like, actually thinking through, like, oh, this is him in his way saying, I want time with you. I want you to be present without, you know, saying, like, get off your phone, be present. This is his way of saying those things to me to not make me feel bad. But he's also saying them. So listen. Yeah. Um, and then I think burnout. I was worth Sometimes I was working so long where by the time I got home, I'm grabbing, you know, takeout to bring home. By the time kids are bathed and in bed and I've written that last contract and I'm waiting to see if they'll answer that evening um, and trying to get it. I just, I couldn't do it all anymore. And I was burned out and that was really, really not good for my mental health. And I think that took some, honestly, some mental health stuff for me to realize like, I need to let go of some things. I need to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. 
It's okay that we can't do it all. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we are our own harshest critic. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very rare that my clients expect as much from me as I expect from me. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. much more grace, I think, than than I do toward myself. Yeah. yeah. That's something I've learned in my own life and in my own job is that in my career, I'm replaceable, but at home, I'm not. Absolutely. And that's a really uh, tough pill to swallow sometimes because you're like, oh, they're fine. They're fine. All these other people need me, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're not replaceable at home. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's a very right. important boundary to set. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And so you do, we take more intentional family time. <laughs> My husband too. Like we just, we carve out more time for the yeah. kids. Just yeah. even just something silly, like all cuddle on the couch and watch through a series and watch an episode a night mm-hmm. or, um, the kids and I are doing a little devotional together, but mm-hmm. taking those times to kind of just have one-on-one quiet yep. time, whether that's cuddling or reading or going on an adventure on a walk, but we, we've been taking more of that time too, because you're right. It, you can't get it back. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't. It goes by fast. My oldest is getting ready for college and it like tears out my heart. I'm like, I just want more time. <laughs> so yeah, love that though. Um, so in addition to setting those boundaries and learning to say no, would you have any other advice for someone who's looking to get into the real estate business? Yeah. Talk, talk to realtors. Okay. There's a lot of us that are willing to, to talk to newbies because if you, if you join the real estate career and we have to be the ones to work with you, (laughs) we want you to know your stuff. We want you to be in it for the right reasons. We want you to be invested into people and invested into actually learning to do a good job because we're on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. I'm on the receiving end of, of the agents that are learning right now. I'm going to have to work with them one day. And so I want one, I want real estate to have a great name, but I want you to put the work in. So what I would say is reach out to agents, talk to them, talk to your local agents, find out what works and doesn't work. It cannot be, I like to see pretty houses, or I just want a flexible schedule, or it it looks so easy to make so much money. Like if those are your reasons, those are wrong. Mm. You will not do well. You will find yourself discouraged and broke. So you have it has to be more than that. It really does have to be a full-time career. I know there are people that will dabble here and there. Like I said, I also have to work with those people. And so (laughs) if you're coming into real estate wanting to be full-time, I think you'll realize that it makes it very hard when somebody's dabbling because you're not giving it your all. Um, So so take the step to see if you can make it full-time. I understand it doesn't always happen for the right away for somebody. I had the benefit of having my husband be a primary breadwinner. So I could step into this with little risk. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing it and you are the sole provider, um, or you have a, a dual income household where you really do need both incomes, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and there's going to be some sacrifices. And I do, I do want to make it clear. Like I do understand that some people have to start off with kind of just one foot in the door instead of jumping head first. Um, but I really do think, try to make it your goal to be full-time. If, if this is going to be your career, like invest in it, invest your time, invest your energies, learn, study, listen, ask all the questions. Um, 
but don't just think because I want to make some fast money and I like pretty houses that you're going to be a good realtor. Right. Because it's really about the people, not, it's not even about the houses, right? It's about the people you're selling to. Yeah. And we do a lot of, I mean, you have to be a therapist. You yeah. have to be, <laughs> I mean, you have to, there's a whole lot of hats you wear in real estate. You're um, a firefighter you're putting out fires. All day long. All day long. But then you also get the joy of like celebrating with people and watching dreams come true and people yeah. um, work hard and have something to show for it. Like there's so many wonderful aspects, but yeah, there's a lot of, it is not just show a house, write a contract, go to bed. There's a lot of in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you also share with our listeners too, as far as expectations go, you know, you talked about pretty houses and making fast money, but um I told you I have my real estate license, but I don't use it actively. But the people who I was going to class with, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, you know, it costs X, Y, and Z to do this. And it's <laughs> X and this and that. And you're not going to make money right away. So expectations in terms of how long do you have to put in time before you may actually see a deal or money yeah. come through? So like I said, when I started, I started in May and my kids were home. So it was like, oh no, what do I actually do? And and I didn't know, you don't know what you don't know. And so I didn't even know where to start, how to begin. You know, you, you get excited. So you talk to your little circles, you know, you're telling your parents and they're telling their friends and you're telling your neighbors. But unless you have somebody that's just like, hey, I actually need a realtor, it, it can be hard to generate business. And I think everybody does it differently um, for me. I did not get my first um, client, I think, until September of that year. And it was a lady I went to church with. And she basically just said to me, hey, I need to sell my house. And I want to give you your first shot. I want to be your first person. I want, I just want, like, if, if you need to make a mistake, if something happens, like, I want it to be with me. And she just wow. loved me in that way. Um, and had a, we had a thankfully a very good smooth transaction and that gave me a little bit of confidence and a little fire under my belly in my belly to kind of keep going um but I think my first full calendar year so like May to May I think I sold four houses had four transactions I think it was one listing and three buyers um and Mm -hmm. my first buyer was very low value I think it maybe was an $80,000 house that was not close to our city center. I had to drive a ways out. So probably by the time I calculated the time spent and the gas, I didn't really make much, but I got some experience. Um, Yeah. So don't beat yourself up. It is not uncommon to go three, six months before you have um, your first closing. And then you have to remember you're still paying taxes on it and you're still paying your local real estate fees your brokerage will take their cut. Um, so you don't walk away with nearly what people think. And I think w- particularly when you sell a house and you know how much the brokerage is receiving, like I'm paying 3% and my house is, you know, a $300,000 house. Like they're making so much money off of me. I am not making that much money off of you. <laughs> I wish, but no, I'm not making it because I'm. it's split. You know, my taxes, the government takes their chunk. My brokerage takes their chunk. And then I'm using a lot of the money that I just earned from your sale just to keep my license active and my education active and gas in my car. 
so that I can go ahead and do it again for the next person Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, help you then find your new home. So it's not as lucrative, I think, as some, as people imagine. Mm -hmm. Is it a good career? Absolutely. And I have been very blessed with the career that I have and the money that I've made. Um, And I have friends that make more and I have friends that make less. Um, Some of it is the time you put into it. So for me, I still want to be mom. Like I still want to be present here and use those great boundary settings that I've put into place in my life. And so could I, could I potentially make more? I do think so. But am I contented? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I have goals. We'll we'll get there. But right now I'm just really happy to kind of have the flexibility of working full time and still be mom. So Love that. Um, I do have to ask this question. Um, what is upcycling cake plates? Ooh. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> like, I can't close this out without first addressing this one thing. I must, I must know. <laughs> so this is what I did when I was a stay-at-home mom and wanted to earn a little bit of money and I couldn't just sit still. Um, I would go thrift shopping, estate sales, and I would find all different types of plates that I liked. Up in this cabinet behind me, I have probably 20 of them of all different sizes. Some that hold oh like old giant cakes, some that are little saucer sizes. Um, and then I would thrift candlesticks. So sometimes I would use brass and I would oh. like paint them all um, and pull out colors from the plate. Sometimes I use crystal. Sometimes I would do multiple tiered ones. Um, But then what I did is I would go and I would research every pattern of the plate and I would write down when I sold them, they would come with, I would say every, every plate comes with a story. And so I would research everything I knew about the pattern. So most of the time people would get a card that had the pattern name, the date of manufacture, um, if the pattern was discontinued and if I knew anything else about that pattern that came up in my search. So I did lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of research. Um, can't get rid of the teacher in me. Um, <laughs> and would create these. And then I would use these ones. These little guys were great for like ring catchers or soap dishes. Mm. Um, we cool. we use one by our front door to catch all our keys in my husband's wallet. Um, and then obviously they're food safe. Right. You could use them for food anytime. But I have one next to my sink that I take my rings off at night. Um, and then my kids now, I've closed down that business, but my kids um, give them as teacher gifts Aww. because every once in a while, I still find a plate that I absolutely love and can't let go of. And I create. That wow. Awesome. That is awesome. I've never, I've never <laughs> even heard of that before. That's amazing. <laughs> it was lots of good experimenting, finding out what adhesive worked. Yeah. That would, so all my plates, I was able to find an adhesive that I can remove and cause zero damage to the plate. Oh, so I wow. could buy, yeah, so I could buy plates that were quite valuable. So sometimes when I was researching, like I found one from 1920, you know, it was probably a $70, just the plate itself. Mm. And I was able to not devalue it, even though I created it into something else, I could always undo it. So yeah. that they would, which that was, that was fun and a challenge and lots of experimenting and broken plates and all the things, but it was fun. You should put what you have left on Etsy and we'll probably all buy one. <laughs> <laughs> I have 
said, I probably have like 20 of them, but I have quite a few that I've just kept. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have a milk glass one, a two-tiered milk glass one that I'm looking at right now that has wow, candle so on it and some pears. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That is really cool. You're going to have to share a lot of pictures with us, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. How about goals? What are your goals for this coming year? So I definitely have financial, some financial goals. I'm inching closer to 40. <laughs> so um, I just have, I think that now I feel much more established in my own business that I've got some, I've got some things I'm swinging for some financial stuff. And then I think for me, a lot of it too, is just to continue growth, to continue um, taking care of my own mental health, um, providing for my family, like Courtney said, by just being present. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my husband too, we've had that conversation about my being present. Um, and then, you know, of course I have, I'm a woman of faith. So I, I also have just spiritual goals for my own life. Um, and kind of my, my walk with Jesus and what I want there too. I love that. Those are great goals. We're going to try to have everyone come back in a year, um, and just see how everyone did with their goals. So I'm very excited for mm-hmm. you with those goals. Um, before we kind of close and uh, everything out, was there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to? No, I think we did a great job, man. I feel like we really captured my entire life. <laughs> in, a, in a podcast. Just a few, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, people are really going to know me. <laughs> um, could, could you, for our listeners, if uh, people want to find you um, on social media, can you share with us your handles or your websites or all the ways that we find you? Yeah. So um, for real estate, if you want to go to um, parkergroupservices.com, you're going to find me there. Um, on Instagram, I am, I gotta look up my handle guys. Cause I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> Who am I? You okay. put him here on our group, on our thingy. If you need help. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it is Jessica underscore Franco, F-R-A-N-C-O underscore Parker group. So that's going to find me for, and I, on that page, I do personal content and, um, real estate content. Um, and then for, if you want to follow along with my little bungalow house, it also has its own little Instagram because my sister told me, just throw it up there. Use it like an album. If nobody follows you, who cares? So I don't really advertise this one, but if you want to join the like 200 followers that I have on my house, um, <laughs> it is. Oh, Lenton. I found it. I'm following yeah. you now. There you go. L-E-N-T-O-N underscore house underscore reno. So Lenten house reno. Um, and yes, my house has a name. So I should have told you that story. I'll tell that story real fast. Okay. So my husband and I, we were dating. We were, I don't know, 18 or 19. And I'm from up north. He was born and raised here in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm from Michigan. And we were talking about like estate homes and how a lot of people, particularly in the South, like have names for their houses. Like, well, what would we ever do if we had an estate home, like a home worthy of a name? What would we call it? And at the time, I was living in Lennon, Michigan, and he was living in Belton, South Carolina. So we oh. smashed it together, and it's Lenten. Nice. And then we thought, that feels very, like, sophisticated and elegant. So <laughs> it has stuck, and my sister, it has its own logo. My sister is oh, a graphic cool. designer. So she branded the house for me because I wanted to get it on some cornhole boards for my husband. Oh, um, how cool. That's, how, that's why it's called Lenten House. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I'm... 
I'm seeing, guys, you have to follow. I'm seeing all the pictures on here now of everything they've done. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'll, be, I'll be stalking this later. I was going to say that. I'm totally right. going to be stalking you when, we, when we're done with this episode. Good, do it. <laughs> do it. Tell me. Oh, my gosh. Well, Jessica, um, I, I just want to say I really have just loved talking with you tonight. Um, I absolutely love your energy, your work ethic, and dedication to your family is just so inspiring. You're an absolutely beautiful person inside and out, and we have loved talking to you. We hope you come back and talk with us and next year and let us know how you did. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. We really, really uh, loved having you with us. Happy. It was such a blast it's from the trivia to naming my house. <laughs> Cake plates, all everything in between. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and thank you to our listeners, as always, for joining us. Be sure to check us out, like, subscribe everywhere: YouTube, Apple, po- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the wonderful all the things. things, all the things. And I'm just gonna close us out here. So until next time, we are the Wayward Lasses, reminding you to keep it real. Bye, Bye. guys. Thanks for stopping.